0: Hello, friends. My name is Steve, and we're here today to talk about part three of the darkness that comes before we've talked about the first two parts. We're doing a part each week. So uh, we are here today with uh, Katerina and Daniel. Let them introduce themselves. Uh, Katerina, you want to set us off?
1: Sure. Uh, I'm Katerina, (laughs) and uh, this is I'm rereading the darkness with Steve. Um, Yep. i mean what can i say yeah this is not my i'm not this is not my first time reading this book um and it's been great so far and i've greatly enjoy our discussions of the first two parts
0: and daniel are a resident expert <laughs> you want to tell us about uh, yourself
2: i am also rereading and i apologize for my bad microphone but
0: oh. that sounds fine and daniel how many how many times have you read this series
2: I've probably at least read all the books three
1: times. Oh, wow. Maybe, That's impressive.
2: Maybe some more than that. I first read them 18 years ago now, probably.
0: So we, uh, the first two parts, I know there was a lot, and we talked a little bit before we started recording, but we talked about the first two parts being pretty dense and the third part, I don't know if it's as dense as the other ones, but um, where did we, uh, where do you both want to start out with this one?
1: Yeah, I, I agree that the, the first, that this part is is, is uh, a lot less complicated. It's not as, there's, we don't have the politics, right? We're not, we've already sort of established the world. Um, so I think what we do in this part, it's, uh, we do a lot of catching up with the characters we met in part one, right? With Esmanette and with the commune. Um, and we also get a little bit more insight into pro who's going to become more important later on. Um, so I guess I would just start with Minute and, uh, her experience in Sumna <laughs> that, uh, propels her, <laughs> yeah, that propels her to, to leave the city and search for a commune in the Holy War. Um, I think that's a pretty interesting place to start.
0: Yeah, the uh the man who comes to see her in the beginning, you you know because it's this book, you know something's not quite right. <laughs> right away. Um there's a few uh a few things of course when he leaves his the sound of his wings flapping. I <laughs> like
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, like you, you already sort of know that it's probably it's probably the, the same man or it's, it's the synthese from part one, right? The, the one that in Rao saw in um, in the temple right before he died. Um, so, you know, the man somehow connected to the consult and we, we get any confirmation of that at the end of this part when he's talking to Cercelus or the thing called Cercelus. Should be more precise.
0: Yeah, that's what I knew for sure. That something wasn't the thing called the thing they call a (laughs) couple of the his seed was black that he leaves on her. You know that there's
1: (laughs) that that's suspicious.
0: Yeah, that's pretty pretty
1: suspicious. Um. But yeah so he uh he comes to us a and he wants information about a comment right and he has an interesting way of obtaining that information um so like usually in, in a fantasy when you want to when you want to get information of someone you you either try to trick them or you might try to uh torture them and and use pain to coerce course them into telling into telling you what they what you want to know but uh but this man, uh the the architect, um, he uses pleasure to to force minute to reveal everything she knows about Kamian, um, which is pretty interesting. Um we'll probably learn a little bit more about that as we go on. Um but I think that's like that's very important to that's very important to notice. Would you agree, Daniel?
2: Yeah, that was an interesting part and SMNet struggles with it over the next couple chapters just how much enjoyment she says she felt out of it because I guess his object was to give her pure bliss to get his answers and she just keeps finding herself thinking about it, which is weird along her path towards the Holy war until she breaks her sandal and has other things to think about.
0: Yeah. I did like learning more about her character in this, uh, this section where she remembers the, the stories that the men that she's been with have told her and the, she's kind of, um, learned about the world through them, through the people that she's been with them and that she's, that have come to to visit. Um, so I did like that part about her um, kind of using the knowledge she, that, that she gained during that time to survive on her journey. You learn a lot about her and um, kind of what makes her tick.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate the way he built her character in, in this part. Um, like you get a sense that for example, she cares about a Kamiyan, she likes a Kamiin. Uh, but at the same time, she also likes what he represents. Like sh- she likes the idea of him being part of this like big world and through him that she can sort of be part of the world as well. Um, and uh, even when she leaves Sumna, she's sort of thinking about like uh, how now like she's the she's the per- first person in three C's that's like seen the consult right like she's she's been with this with this mysterious man and she has evidence that the consult is back in three C's and like it makes her feel important like she's she's part of this like big story that usually she was only you usually only like read about and and she likes that feeling she likes being important she likes feeling that uh her life somehow matters that she matters and i think that's a really interesting insight into her and uh like as you said like what makes her tick and what what she wants in life like she's not satisfied with just being a prostitute in sumna for the rest of her life she wants something more
2: yeah and that's kind of why she loved akka because he, like brought the whole world to her kind of and the reason he like fled in the first place because he was listening at the door so his like rage at her still taking custom when he had enough money he said and then like her just knowing that he's going to leave again so she just has to keep taking custom. It's like a, a impossible love there. And then later you find out that the mandate aren't allowed to take wives anyways. So.
1: Yes, that, that's true. And I also think that in a way, like she can take money from him. Well, first of all, because that would sort of change the nature of their, their relationship like she doesn't think of him as her as a customer and if she, if he gave her money that would make her feel like she, she, he's just another man that she sleeps with for money um but also I don't think like she the the one of the other reasons why she doesn't want to take money from him or why she doesn't want to stop taking um other customers is that she, like she wants to be independent of a commune because it, she knows she can depend on him and she doesn't really want to depend on, on him. Right.
0: Yeah. I think a lot, some of it too, is that she's struggling, she struggles with her self-worth and thinking that she doesn't deserve any better. Um, and there's some times when she just thinks that's what she deserves and doesn't, uh, shouldn't strive for something more. I think she goes back and forth with that a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I mean, the the world kind of tells her that sh- she's not worth it, or like she's a prostitute. She she's damned. Um, the the scripture literally says that people should stone her up on seeing her. Um, that like that that's what she deserves. Um, so I, it's it's no wonder that she has low self esteem as a woman in this world and as a prostitute. And.
2: That's what she finds happening to herself when she hits them. The holy war and her sandal breaks. And she gets pestered by a group of little religious kids.
1: Yeah, first, who, who first, live by that scripture? Or do or do they like? I I was wondering. Like, I'm not convinced that the reason or that the only reason they they decide to stone her is that they're so religious or so pious that they will follow the scripture to the letter i think part of it is they just wanted to make wanted to feel powerful like wanted to like you know have, have being able to take out their frustration or anger or whatever on someone who's weaker than them uh, like that's kind of how i read it um but it was i was also like super frustrated just by the fact that like women are not allowed to wear boots in the announcement Empire. I found that incredibly frustrating.
2: Yeah, that was, that was <laughs> funny. Yeah. I, I know when I was nine, I didn't really think that deeply. But if I was with a group of mischievous kids, then just like it said in the book, there's that moment where things could just get out of hand. And oftentimes they, they did as a kid. I guess I had a rough childhood. <laughs>
0: Yeah you, kind of, yeah, you kind of wonder if it's just because she's a, a woman who's alone, or is it because you know, she's a prostitute, or a combination of both that they thought they could do that to her? And you know, that's <laughs> that was a you kind of you kind of wonder is is it going to go a, a way that when she's going to befriend them and they're going to travel with her and they're going to kind of take her in? But of course, I should have known better by now.
1: <laughs> yeah, you you should have. You probably should have. Uh, but like she doesn't give up like right she, she fights back she she throws stones at them uh, and then like finally they, they overpower her because there's just too many of them and and they're they're probably stronger and then essentially the whole village comes out to uh, to participate in the stoning uh, but like she, she's a fighter she doesn't give up uh, which is something I like about her as well
2: And that's when. You- Sarsalus comes and saves her from the priest's stoning that he's sanctioned, I guess, by that point with his yelling.
1: Yeah, literally saved by a knight in shining armor.
2: Who's probably, for those few pages, like the nicest, best character in the whole book to her until you like go into his brain and then it's not so nice. Not so
1: human. That was the like most abrupt transition that I've experienced in a while. When when you're reading her thoughts and she's thinking like, oh, he's so nice to me and I feel so safe around him. And then you switch to Sir Stiles POV and he's like, oh, I, I want to have sex with her corpse. Um, that really threw me off for a little while.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it talks about like He's more excited by the thought of being where the architect has been or whatever. That's the part that excites him. But he's real nice to her and does appear to be her knight in shining armor still.
1: Yeah, but I think the implication, of least the way I read it, is also just the idea of making her hurt excites him. Um, there is something appealing to in in violence for his, for Ccellus
2: yet the architect makes his t- tools like that, like the shrink are also that way, and so might whatever he is be <laughs>
0: I love how, how both of you try to be very careful with certain things so you try to spoil things for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, when when he shows up and it's this knight in shining armor, you start to you immediately know this something's wrong because it, it's not that kind of thing doesn't happen.
2: And yeah, it's stumbled world. out of another book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Not in this world, but like, you also like you. I mean, you kind of know that something's off with Ceceles because he was there in in part one uh, when Enrau was being chased by the console. Like he was there. We didn't exactly know if he was human or if he was working with the consul, but he was. He was watching, and he was one of the one of the knights who attacked Enrau. So, I had. I mean, I had suspicion at least.
0: Yeah, it's uh, you, you know something's not quite right, uh, but I, I did really like learning about Esme and um, kind of the way that like you said the way like what makes her tick.
1: Yeah, she's a great character. Uh, definitely my my favorite female character in the series, uh, but also there are not that many of them.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: So, uh
2: keep keep reading <clears throat> maybe you'll find something cool
0: <laughs> well and on in uh in two weeks when we talk about part four i think we'll have another female character to talk about but um yeah it was um we also learned about her daughter uh Esme's daughter that had died
2: Oh, um, and she gives away the gold coin that she was given, and flees before that because the girl reminded her of her daughter.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. For that, I I wondered why she would. I, I think um, it was because that her, the the girl reminded her of her daughter, right? That's why she gave her the coin, wasn't because she was just trying to be giving, or she didn't feel like she should keep it
1: yeah, yeah. I, I guess the way I read it was more that like sh- she got that coin from the architect um and so I think and and sh- like he paid her essentially to get information about a commune so with her giving the money away uh it was almost like her making a gesture to show that she didn't sell a commune. That's kind of how I interpreted it. But also, yeah, there's like she mentions her daughter as well, and then she gives it to this little girl. So maybe she did remind her of her daughter, um, and she felt like she was doing a good deed by helping. Uh, if you know, if she if she couldn't have helped her daughter, then at least she could maybe help this girl.
0: Anything else from uh, Esme that stuck out to you, Daniel, on your on your third read? <laughs> No, not really. Uh, and, of course, Akka keeps having nightmares. Uh, and we spend a little bit of, of time with him. And we start learning, we start, we're introduced to uh, Proyas And what what led to the Vulgar Holy work? at least what was a contributing factor to it?
1: Yeah, we get a little bit of history of, of, of the history between Akami and Proyas. And, and, Proyes, and we, we learned that um, Proyas was a student of communes And for some reason, all of Akamiens students uh, go on to become priests even though they've been uh, tutored by a sorcerer. I mean, Perez does not go on to become a priest exactly, but he does become a very pious man. And uh, probably one of the few people in three Cs who actually, have actually joined the Holy War for the official reasons that have been given. So like, he's actually one of the few people who genuinely wants to go to Shaima to uh, free it from the phantom so they can return the hands of the Inrithi um and sort of um honor the, the honor the, the prophet of dean which uh like as we've seen especially in part two most of the other factions involved in the holy war don't really care about that um they don't care about Shima or um about it having it's like about it being an important place for for that religion
2: Yeah, and then we got to see them play Benjuka. He runs into Zin, his old mentor, like I guess his co-worker as a teacher to Prous.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I guess that's that's an appropriate way to d- describe their relationship. They didn't uh... like
2: it. they didn't like each other initially, because Zin is also a religious. Man, but I think he, he found a certain liking for a And the story about when Zin heard about him whipping Kelmum, Kelmumus,
1: I think it's Kelmumus, Kel-Mum-us.
2: It's the with an N at the end. Kelmumus,
1: it's the and worst name in this book, I swear.
0: <laughs> That's so funny. you.
2: He goes like 200 miles away and eventually Proeus goes to him alone and he, what does he say to him? He says that if he wants to condemn him he should punish him and throws him a wooden sword and then just like keeps beating him and beating him until he keeps getting up. And then the Mm -hmm. next day, he says he learned a lesson, even though Zinn just wanted to beat him up. So (laughs) he said, That was like the funniest part in the chapter, that little conversation between Akanian and Zinnimus.
1: Yeah, that was pretty funny. And you can sort of get a sense from that conversation that they're very close to each other or they have a very good rapport. Um.
2: Yeah, it said that Zinnimus, like, ...trained his body while well. Akanean trained his mind, and that's why Proyas was so powerful, was so smart.
1: Yeah, but you can I see they say have...
2: ...why he turned on the mandate, I guess, or on sorcery in general, but...
1: Yeah, you can definitely tell they have a lot of admiration for Proyas as a person... As someone who's like very intelligent, very capable, but can get blinded by his fate oftentimes.
2: Which is why he whipped Zinimus, or why he whipped Kelwamunis in the first place. Because he was initially becoming blinded by his fate. And it's kind of weird that Zinimus stopped him since he's also very faithful, but I guess he understands. Reality too, so
1: yeah. Also, he's just older, so maybe he's uh accepted the fact that you have to make compromises even even for your religion, uh, which is something they worry that uh, Proyas won't be able to do when he uh when he meets the emperor and, and starts neg- negotiating about the the holy war situation.
2: Yeah, they say, Are we gonna get the judge Proyas or the the,
1: the, the tactician,
2: yeah. And I guess we're still waiting to see, but he's pretty mad. He needs to cool down. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Well, yeah. He sounded pretty frustrated, uh, in in his POV section, uh, which like I understand, like if you've joined the holy war because you want to. Uh, uh, because you want to avenge your uh, avenge your gods, or uh, and then you just end up having to make all these compromises and having to accommodate all the all these interests of the other parties, which are not relevant to the cause at all. Like, I, I mean, I'd be frustrated as well.
0: <laughs> I feel like I learned a lot about Akamean in this in this uh, section because you you see him from other viewpoints from the characters and how they you. Um, he kind of sneaks into the camp when he first gets there and you kind of get that he's not very well respected by this group at least.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he's a sorcerer, so just based on that, they're not going to like him, especially if this is a holy war um, and uh, sorcerers are damned, sort of like the antithesis of the thesis of the holy war. But then you have the Scarlet Spires, which you've joined the Holy War to help them conquer Shyama. So it's, it's, it's very intricate. And um, I'm, I'm not surprised that the, the, the religious individuals in the Holy War camp are, feel very conflicted about their position um, in the war.
2: yeah and at this at the same time like SMNet in the previous chapter said that it's a lot of priests that are her customers so like how pious is everybody really Proius you can tell is quite pious because he thinks just like came the fact that he was taught by and makes him like dirty in a way at least he questions whether that's like why God is mean to him.
1: Yeah, and like even when you think of uh Cercellus, like he's the first knight commander of the what, the Shrile Knights, something like that. He has he like a crazy title. But essentially like he's a like he's like a warrior priest, right? If 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 I'm not mistaken. And then he, like, he saves Esmenet from another priest and then takes her into his tent and just lets her live there. So what does that even say about um, about the church and about the
0: clergy? So uh, Sarcellus, it does treat, seems like he's, um, at least treats Esme well enough to where she 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 struggles on wh- whether or not she should um stay with him or not or you know she i think she's still determined to get to warn Kamian, but i think she kind of goes back and forth a little bit
1: Yeah, it's, it's almost like he's uh he's seducing her with attention and and with luxury and like you can tell it's working like sh- she likes the feeling like she likes the way he makes her feel like her like I think she says something like he made like he was really curious about her life like he made her feel like her experiences were interesting and and, and valid and and she, she really liked that um and she also I mean she also like doesn't mind the fact that now she has two servant girls and they make her food and she sleeps in like uh satin cushions um which, like, which tells you something about us, Minette. like, as much as she cares about Akamian, uh she's also, uh, she's also susceptible to the material, uh, material things.
2: Yeah, she's, like, weighing comfort and safety with loyalty and love.
1: Which I think is legit is legitimate, especially considering where she comes from, where she comes from, like her background, the fact that she spent most of her life living in poverty. Um, and people, like everyone around her disrespects her because she's a woman and because she's a prostitute. Um, like you, I don't, I mean, I can't really blame her for wanting something more, wanting to make her life more... Comfortable I
2: guess. She's she's been through a lot. And then it's even Sarcelus that I think tells her that a mandate can never marry another. Which how he knows that, who knows? He said another thing that was crazy. He said Oh pity that you're not a man. If you were a man you wouldn't need to make teachers of everyone who used you. So he he's like a legitimate good spy compared to Cayman. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah Kamian's uh um, Yeah, even when like when he's trying to spy on the Scarlet Spires and then all his informants desert him because they're too scared. Um they're too scared of the uh Elisir- 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 and his uh, His entourage. Um.
2: He does almost catch the mandate, though, that when he was walking in the market trying to buy food because he decided he wanted to be a cook, get everyone's respect, just being a cook for a while. (laughs) And then he saw someone following him and tried to wait and hiding for him and it didn't happen. And then he chased him down. And by the time he got to him, it wasn't him. But then Sarsilis says that it was him and that he was able to ch- change faces before he could get to him. A guy named Mengai, I think is what they called the other guy. Something That's like a- that.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's first and it, it's, a, it's a first indication or maybe a confirmation that uh, not everyone, yeah, the, the, These these creatures are able to change forms and then maybe not everyone we've met is who they say they are. Um, that's a thought.
2: Yeah, it's the first time you see the possibility of maybe someone's face not being the same,
1: which is interesting
2: for the rest of the book. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it kind of begs the question, like, if, you know, if the thing called Cercellus is a thing, was there a Cercellus before that? Or was Cercellus always just a thing? Um, uh, that's something you can you can ponder about.
2: And I think at the very, very end, the Cynthia says something like, show me your true face to him, and it says that his face The thing called Sarcelus since the fist of his expression slack in then part. Whatever that means.
1: I have no idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, it seems like they can change appearance pretty quickly too, because uh, you know, he he was had one's face and then once uh, I came and caught up to him he had a different face. So it doesn't it doesn't seem like it takes a whole a whole lot. I mean it seems like it's not like a uh you know a long process which makes it more intriguing
1: and and
2: s- the- same Same with the synthies because it had apparently been with us net and then in an instant just flew away somehow
0: <laughs> that, was, that was really creepy he flew away at the beginning, um, and the um, when when, SB, when they do get to the camp and she's looking for Kami in it, um, you know, the her thoughts while she's looking for him and kind of going back and forth was another great moment for her for her character I thought in this in this part.
1: Yeah, I think it definitely makes her more complex. Um, and nuance. Like I like the fact that she, you know, she's not just in love with the kami and, and leaves Sumna because she wants to find him and she's worried about him. Like she has also some um, selfish motivation for why she, why she leaves Sumna and why she joins the holy war. Um, it definitely makes her more interesting, more more complicated as a character.
2: And everyone who seems to come across her knows that she's, like, not your typical, like, prostitute or whatever. She's something more. I think even the synthies says, like, oh, she was a 12-copper whore. Because at first, at the very beginning, he, she asked him for 12-copper and, he like, gets mad about it. So she's not even worth three because she's so old. But at the end, she realizes, or the Cynthia realizes that even she's, like, keeping stuff from Sarsalus, even though Sarsalus has done everything to have her open up and talk about the consult so they could realize she was at risk, but she's just keeping her cards real tight to her chest.
1: Yeah. And we also get just to talk a little bit more about Akami and we also get an idea of like how, how he can sometimes behave in a pretty self-destructive way. Um, like when we, when we meet him in this part, he's, he's learned about Inrao's death and he's sort of blaming himself, um, regardless of whether it was a suicide or a murder. Like he feels like he's responsible for that, um, regardless. And he, uh, he starts drinking and he starts doing drugs, and he keeps reading books that he doesn't enjoy. Um,
2: yeah, it, it was interesting the way he talked about like what the drugs did to his dreams. I think initially he says that when he like gets drunk, the dreams like aren't as memorable; they're more of a blur. But the memory, like, the emotions are way more powerful as like a drunk person might be way more emotional and less coherent of the events and then when he's doing I think it says opium he says that the lines between the dreams and the realities were like blurred didn't know like when he was stepping in and out of sleep
1: Yeah, which can be pretty scary like considering that the mandate like they're already like not always living in the reality like they're living with one foot step into the past anyway um,
2: and the most powerful individual sorcery that's out right now so a lot of times when a kid reflects on what he could do he just talks about how he could just bring entire walls down and kill everybody but we haven't seen it at this point. Just some simple cants around his tent to keep prying eyes out, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean it's 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 an interesting uh, juxtaposition when you consider how strong he is, or at least how strong he says he is, and then how worthless he often feels, or the the doubt, the doubt that fills him. Um, it, it's interesting to see how someone's so powerful can also be so insecure.
2: Yeah. He should stay off the heavy drugs probably <laughs> before he says Swathas in real life.
0: Um, what else was in this, uh, in this part before I misspeak again? <laughs>
2: They talked about the game of Benjuka, which I've like always been interested in. And I actually like played a game for the first time the other day where the rules could change like mid game. Hmm. Which it says can happen in Benjuka at any point. Kinda makes it different from most other games you play. Hmm. And then Kamian loses to Zinimus. Or maybe it seemed like he thought he was going to win at the end and he just like th- forfeit because he didn't want to play anymore and won to let and think he won maybe it's hard to tell right at the end but i think they're still like playing the same game currently so
1: yeah i kind of understood it as him deciding that like it's the game doesn't matter that he 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 kind of has to focus on on the reality or the the politics in front of him, um, that playing with pieces of stone is somehow ridiculous when you th- think of like the scheme of things the the context in which which they find themselves in, um, but I, I mean I I like the way that he compares the game to life and then to other to other games. Um, And uh, I kind of like the fact that he's... Like, if I understand it correctly, like, the idea of Benjuka is that, like, unlike games where you know the rules and then you can make your decision based on the rules, you know, in Benjuka, just the the variables are... There's so many variables that you can't really ever predict everything. You can't predict, like, how the environment's going to change. So you sort of have to make... uh, Calculate it. Like, you have to kind of calculate the probability of your chases. I don't know if that's... uh, that's a way of, if that's a good way of reading the game but that's how I kind of understood it
2: I'd say that's pretty good
1: or like I don't know if there's a way that you can at least try to estimate how the like you know the rules are going to change but if, if there's a way to like approximate or predict how they're going to change um, I don't know if that's uh, if that's possible within the game
2: must be, it seems like there's just better people than others at it, so Confis mm. is probably one of the better people.
1: So we've heard. <laughs> 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 and yeah, he, Confus definitely is good at adapting to, uh, to the situation around him, so I'm not surprised he's good at Benjuco.
2: In theory maybe Snare could have been better at Benjuka because if his tribe would have listened to him, they would still be out there and the Slivendi wouldn't all be dead and or the Skilvendi wouldn't all be dead and they would probably win. Because he knew what they were planning. They wanted to them to charge in and if they would have just waited him out they would have maybe found out that there were mages or just starve them out eventually hmm. by taking out the supply routes. he was in their land so. but yeah. Snare, Snare was the only one who said anything and they were, were already conspiring to get him killed and thinking they were going to win anyways so
1: I would pay to see a game of Benjuka between Nayor and Confess. That would be legendary.
2: Yeah, it would be fun to watch. I don't even know the rules, and that's to still watch it. I guess it's like when I watched Alpha Go play that professional Go player. I watched it, but I'm not sure of the rules of Go. It's still good.
1: Yeah, sometimes I watch professional chess players play online, even though I have like little to no understanding of chess, and it's still a lot of fun, so <laughs> I'm sure this, this would be as well.
0: Uh, what's that game in The in The Witcher that uh, was a whole separate game for it? It kind of reminded Gwen? me of that. I'm, Gwen? Was, Gwen, yeah. Gwen. I kind of wondered if someone ever thought about making Banjuka into a game like that. Or if we know enough to to make it.
2: I don't know if we currently know enough.
0: Yeah. I'm only speaking from the first book, so I wasn't sure if there's more details in the in the later books.
2: There are... There's lots of games of Benjuka that get played, I think, in this book, because it's like, what, a 2,000-year-old game? It's kind of like their chess. It survived the apocalypse somehow, so...
0: Must, Must be, be good. good. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> and let's
2: see. Anything else?
0: Um, not a ton. I think the only other thing that I had written down was um, that they're spying on Camion, which we kind of, think we've Kind of already suspected before that, um, and uh, the thing called uh, Cecile or Cicillus is with uh, another smaller creature with wings, and that kind of connects the the beginning. The you, know, you hear the wings flapping at the end. It's confirmed it's the same same creature. There's a, a smaller creature there.
1: Yeah, and, and we already know that, or we already saw that uh, that creature in part one uh, with Enrao in the temple, right? Um, so I think it's it's safe to assume that it's the same person or same being.
0: Or is it?
2: He is the Maybe. architect. The architect sounds like something that would be... A really cool name back if you lived in a fantasy world.
0: That'd be the best name, right? The Architect? I mean...
2: You gotta, like, be an OG. You're
0: the OG if you're the Architect.
1: Uh, I just immediately started thinking of the Architect from The Matrix. Yeah, me Um, too. But...
2: know if the matrix was out by the time the first these books came out they definitely weren't
0: was uh, like 98 99
1: i think the first one is 99.
2: oh was
0: it so maybe they were out oh yeah this is 2003 right
1: something so. like that but i think baker started writing these books much earlier than that so I'm not implying that one took inspiration from the other. It's just the association I had with the name architect. That's it.
2: A big part of Baker's argument is that all we're always doing is stealing information from each other. Every word is but a repetition of a word you've already heard. Every statement, just a statement that's already been said. You hear a lot of comparisons between this and Dune, like just everywhere, which there are comparisons. And Baker has said his favorite books were Dune, and his favorite author, Stephen Erickson. So,
1: I mean, I haven't read Dune, but from what I know about it, I can certainly see some inspiration that Baker's taken from it. Um, especially in in the character of Callus, hmm. but we haven't seen him in a while, so probably will save that conversation for another time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll have a lot to talk about with him in the next the next two parts after that after this one. Yeah, anything else uh, either of you can think of?
2: um only one person signed the indenture so far and i I forgot who it was but the rest of them have basically just flat out denied it kind of said maintenance crazy for not saying anything yet they've debated storming the capital and just taking the provisions right now it's kind of just all up in the air and a lot of it rides on Pro, yes, because he's like been made, kind of the leader of the faithful at this point. It seems like,
1: yeah, I think. Well, Kalamun is signed D. He signed the indenture, but uh, he's dead, unfortunately. Uh, but uh, the the Scarlet Spires have also have also signed because they don't care about the they don't care about the territory. Uh, they just want to avenge on the Kishorim and and annihilate them. Um, so they've signed the avenge, indenture. Um,
2: they only wanted all the information about the Sishorim, I think. That's all they asked for in return.
1: Yes. Yeah, I think that's correct. Openly yeah but it it, i'd be curious to to know what what maintenance uh what maintenance is thinking um because you only saw him briefly and it it seemed like he had the the holy war under control but now we're not so sure
0: um that's a good point Um, we've seen him
2: briefly and he like had the ability to know akamian was a sorcerer and now he's grieving for the loss of the vulgar holy war and doesn't want to be bothered
1: yeah but I mean also the like officially also the emperor is grieving for the loss of the holy war or the vulgar holy war um, so what, what does that actually tell us
2: yep you don't really know till you get in their head if you get in their head yeah (laughs) oh and it seemed there was a part where akamian was talking about his dreams and saying that he tried to read what was it the religious books he talked about how like the lies in it just made him furious because he relived the second apocalypse and so he knew that the truth wasn't in the books but then sometimes he cried because the truth was in the books
1: yeah I, I really like that part when he talks about uh, when he talks about his reading um, and also uh, when he's, he says something in this, in, along the lines of how like the poetry he read 10 years ago just doesn't make him feel the same way that it did now that it did back then um i also also felt that um because age really does change your perception of certain books or certain pieces of art
2: i guess that's why i'm rereading this book to see (laughs) how my perception changes
0: good point. Well, I think you started off saying there's not a whole lot to talk about in this part. And here we are, <laughs> almost an hour later, still talking about. It. So it's, 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 a, this, it's that kind of book, though, that there's just, there's a ton in there. The window it doesn't seem like there necessarily is.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you could you could do a page by page breakdown almost, and there would still be a lot to talk about. Um, But I think we've covered, like, all the important parts. At least I don't really see anything else in my notes that we've missed.
2: But I wonder what this book would look like with footnotes. You could, like, see people's names and it would describe where you know them from below. And then, like, 500 pages in when you read someone's name, it just tells all the times you've missed them before.
1: I mean that—that that sounds too much like reading Wikipedia.
0: Sounds like House of Leaves. Isn't it? it,
2: House of Leaves was rough. All of his books. I can't remember his name. I read one called In Revolutions too, and he loves footnotes. That guy,
0: Daniel. uh... Danieluski. Danieluski is it? Daniel. Marta. Nothing to bother me. Yeah, me too.
2: Yeah. Mm. Uh, Mark is Mark Danielewski. Yeah. those are interesting books. Yeah,
1: yeah. I ha- I haven't read it, but I mean, at least in this one, you have the you have the appendices, um, which can be helpful, I think, especially if you're going through the book for the first time
0: yeah you know i I found myself I'm glad you mentioned that I found myself going to the back of the book more often after the first two parts to just kind of uh whatever I wasn't quite sure who someone was or where they were from I would go back and go to a quick rundown of the different uh factions or different people who they're um, who they're associated with so yeah
1: Yeah, I think part one and part two introduce most of the players in this book, at least. Um, So yeah, it makes it makes sense that uh, by part three, you probably need to freshen up on who was the first person you met in chapter one, which is briefly, briefly mentioned, and then didn't appear for the next 200 pages. Yeah, it's yeah. not like the, the main character of the series disappears for like 300 pages in this book.
2: <laughs> yeah, those those get significantly bigger as the books go on to the appendixes, just more detail. More characters, more detail, more world building. Mm-hmm. I guess there's a Cayman's map in it as well that he started trying to figure out who's playing who and who's on whose side.
0: Yeah, I thought that was neat too.
1: Yeah, there's the mind map. And you also get a map of the three seas, which I think is pretty helpful. And you also get the, if I remember well, You also get the pronunciation of the names of the like five or six main characters, which can be helpful as well. Although, you know, everyone has their own pronunciation and I'm not going to shame anyone (laughs) for that. (laughs) I'm I'm sure I'm sure I get a lot of them wrong as well.
0: I feel attacked.
1: (laughs) No, that that wasn't the intention intention. (laughs)
0: Oh, me to them.
2: Yeah. Names them. are what you make them in your head. Yeah, it's the words you can't mix up.
0: Well, uh, can you, you either of you think of anything else from this part?
2: No, I think we covered it well. I guess uh, the Synthes tells Sarsilus not to kill Snet, even though it it really wants to is that what we're calling is that his pronoun
0: it.
1: Mm, i but haven't thought thing. of that
2: the thing called sarsalus yeah it thing <laughs> he really wants to kill us net it seems like but can't and maybe even Acadian, but can't because whoever the architect is says not to
1: Yeah, Mm. which I can't
2: can't remember what Maethnet said to Proyes about Akanian. Do you guys remember? Was it to let him be but don't talk to him? Something like that. Just like don't fraternize with him but don't harm him. I think
0: it was kind of. I don't know. He
1: says anything. Um.
2: He definitely asked Proyes who that was. How you know the schoolman?
1: Yeah, I I do remember I do remember him asking about uh about a commune, but
2: maybe he doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't say what he told told him after that.
1: Yeah, so. I mean the chapter literally ends with with uh, the asking Proyas, who was that man, that sorcerer who dared pollute my presence. So I don't think we actually know what Maithanet uh, thinks of Akamian being there in, in, in Sumna or in the Hagurna. At least except, for now.
2: Except that he's let him live, I guess. And that Proes is now not talking to him since he's reached the capital. Yes. I guess we'll see next part in two weeks.
0: Yeah, a quick note for anyone listening week to week. We will be taking next week off. Uh, we were doing some traveling, so we'll take our break. Next week, we'll we'll be back in uh, two Fridays. Or not, you know, the twenty was the 26th, so I think. So for anyone that's uh, following along that way, it'll be uh, a couple of weeks, but we'll be back to talk all things part four. Which sorry, yeah, I, yeah.
1: yeah, which a part four, I haven't reread yet, but as far as I remember, it's pretty dense. So we might need the week to just uh, <laughs> prepare.
0: <laughs> yeah. Part four is, is a lot happens in part four. So kind of at a, it's it came at a good time. Yep. Cool. Uh, anything else either of you wanted to mention?
1: I mean, we do get the first meeting between uh, Confess and Proyes sort of the two great minds of the, of the holy war. And, uh, they don't get on, uh, go for, like, it doesn't, it doesn't like it's, it doesn't seem like uh, they're going to be friends. The two of them, uh, at least that's the impression I have from, from that encounter.
2: Just kind of tried to do the cold shoulder, no shake hands. I'm cooler than you, but at the end, he thinks that he lost the argument in front of all of his people. I guess it wasn't even an argument, just the first interaction.
0: Yeah. Like a a showdown almost, but a subtle showdown.
2: The first move of Benjuka. He just lost.
1: Yeah, it's just the opening. Um, Yeah, and then Confess is sort of above that. Like, he does not care. About uh, about Proez giving him the cold shoulder.
2: Yeah, he already knows he's going to be going on the Holy War and he has his sights set on just seemingly becoming the most badass general in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Well, he is already the god of his own universe, so might as well be that uh, he become the god of the other people's universe as well.
2: Oh, oh that reminds me, too, of uh, when Zinimus is talking to a Camion and they're playing Benjuka, and they're like admiring how smart Ikri Xerius is, even though, from our point of view, last part, we knew he just kind of stumbled into this great game he played, or the great move. So they're both thinking he's like real savvy and real smart right now.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, it's true. I, I haven't thought of it like that, but you're absolutely right. Um, I, st- I still don't think that Xeris is completely dumb, but he definitely looks a lot smarter from the outside than he actually is. Um, it,
2: Confist says that even he was, like, baffled by this move because it was so smart, even though he's already capable of beating Kim at Benjuka when he was 10. So it was, like, seemingly a rare move for Xerius to do something Convass couldn't expect or foresee. So, so whatever it was, it worked for Xerius up till this point. But it was just interesting to see like the unreliable narrator they're both deceived by him and thinking that he's like one of the smartest people at the table right now when Confis doesn't think so his own mother doesn't think so
1: yeah it's it's also interesting to see how the uh, the the I curates are kind of despised by all the other all the other nobles and, and kings, uh, while they themselves think of, nebs- think of themselves as this sort of like godlike family that has a right to this uh, huge, uh, huge empire to the east, um, while everyone thinks that well, everyone else thinks that they're just deceith- deceitful and impious and Cunning and should not be trusted ever, which is justified from what we know about them. Uh,
2: this is true. We'll see if that changes over time.
0: <laughs> I love how both of you both of you are so cryptic about this kind of thing. Okay. yeah it's
1: pretty, uh, it's pretty hard to keep track of what we've already uh what we already know from from what we read and w- what comes after um uh,
0: it's it's hard uh, for me and i've only read this one book so i it it's must be really tough when you're so far into the series
2: it's, it's been a long time since i've read it so the overall arc and a lot of the things i found most interesting i still remember but as I read it, all the details are new. So I'm able to separate pretty well to this point, as long as I don't start reading it ahead and it might get trickier. I think I've done pretty good at this point, not to give any spoilers though.
0: It's it's tough, it's it's tough to to not read ahead a little bit. I'm holding off on the second book, but it was tough to not keep reading this one.
1: Yeah, I'm a little bit worried that once you start Warrior Prophet, you won't be able to stop yourself. <laughs> I'm a little bit concerned because <laughs> it really flows.
0: That's what I've heard is that uh, the Warrior Prophet is more linear and It's it's uh, easier to get through. Um, it's, it's a faster read, I guess. Is, is what I, I,
1: I would agree with that, with that description. Yeah. it's It's a lot of people's favorite.
2: It was good. It is good.
1: It will be good again.
2: There is a lot less shooting from one side of the world to the other because there's a holy war going on, and most players are involved.
0: It's going to be good. Awesome. So, excuse me. We have two more parts to go in this in this book, but they're pretty big. So, lots to discuss in the coming weeks. But um, thanks, everyone, for hanging out and listening to us talk about uh, part three. And we'll be back in two weeks to talk part four. That should be a fun one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
0: That would be good stuff. Me as well. Awesome. So uh, we'll see everyone in two weeks. Uh, Katerina or Daniel, did you want to? I know both of you are very active on social media. But <laughs> <laughs> is there anything that you wanted to pass on?
1: so active yeah i mean if you want to reach out to me um talk about these books or other books you can find me on the Patreon forum or you can follow me on instagram at the errant um if you like
2: i'll just say wait till the end
1: of the books
2: and i think we're gonna do a live stream so just ask me then or forget the questions and don't ask me
0: okay. <laughs> Awesome. So thanks again, everyone, for hanging out with us, and we'll we'll talk to you in two weeks.